0: Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Solo Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. You can go buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. You can join the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. You can support the show at anchor.fm, even a dollar a month helps. And make sure you subscribe, comment, give us five stars, all that. You can win books if you share. And if you give us quotes and all that kind of stuff,
1: I'm joined in person by by Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, state of South Carolina. And we're very, people apparently like to pop off rounds into the air. (laughs) And when the bullets come down, what co- goes up must come down. I had a uh, they go through our roof, and we had a roof leak on Sunday.
0: I had a conversation with a uh, with a lounge member yesterday, and we were talking about you know liberal lurches and things like that. And he's like, you know, if 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 the anti gun crowd comes after, just says, hey. We're at your house. Give us your guns. That's not going to go over well. He's like, and you know that in Greer, South Carolina. And
1: that just rings even more true today. <laughs> yeah. So so to catch everybody up, this morning I arrived after we had a roof leak on Sunday morning. It was yep. raining. And we called the roofer, which we have a brand new roof on our sanctuary.
0: Literally within the
1: last, what, month? Yeah, a month Is or two. Um, and the roofer's here. And he says, you've got a bullet hole in your roof, <laughs> which... Our worship minister and connection minister were up on the roof with him and did not believe him until we found they found a bullet in the gutter. What what caliber was it? Nine millimeter. Huh. And so apparently somebody popped off some rounds in the air and one of them came through our roof. <laughs> Hopefully not more than one of them, but right. um that's just we're <laughs> Church life in the South. Church life in the South, man. <laughs> there are things we have to deal with here.
0: We uh, we are not, as you have heard Joined by one Lutheran John Ross uh, He has a stomach bug I'm just going to assume that editing that episode On the Southern Baptist Convention is what did it <laughs> He just couldn't handle All of the cradle baptism mm. And all of the not having a Presbyterian form of church government And all of that Just It did him in So he's not with us today <laughs> But moving right along To our primary topic. In our inquisition, Ryan Eigel, who I don't, I can't remember the name of his company off the top of my head, but he does fantastic Bible rebinding stuff. Just look him up. He asks, should a Baptist congregation admit a Presbyterian or other paedo-baptist into full membership that still holds to paedo-baptism for themselves and their children? and I guess you could flip it around, should a Presbyterian, Lutheran, Anglican, you know, Pado-Baptist congregation admit a Credo-Baptist for membership? And I mean, honestly, it kind of gets into the entire discussion of church membership in the first place. Um, What is it? What does it mean? And where can we draw lines and where can we have uh, charitable disagreements
1: and stuff like that? Mm. Well, I think... What's interesting about this topic is I I don't know of a way, if somebody has figured this out, tell me, I don't know of a way to separate fully. Mm-hmm. I think we can distinguish, and I think we can prioritize, but to separate fully the, the spiritual theological um, understanding of membership mm-hmm. from Scripture from... The inevitable organizational implications right that arise from having membership in a local church um, what what does it mean organizationally for a, a a person to be a part of a local church right. that might mean voting on certain things that might mean access to certain levels of serving mm-hmm. uh, versus what levels are accessible to those that aren't members you know so on and so forth. Um, but those are not primary you know issues those are secondary to the the bigger question of what 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 do we understand about being a member of a local church from scripture and is that even biblical I think that's that's the place you've got to start if right. you're gonna wrestle with this issue
0: yeah and I think I think a, a good starting place is even in the Old Testament where God, God just makes all of Israel a visible church, effectively. Right. <laughs> um, like when when we understand, you know, the use of certain terms meaning congregation and all that kind of stuff, ecclesia, mm-hmm. etc. But we're not here to do a word study. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has structure to it. Mm-hmm. There is there's, there's a membership uh, process, if you will, mainly circumcision. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, that's not what it is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but but there was an admission process for foreigners who came in and wanted to be part of Israel, right? And then in the New Testament, you have you at the very least have the structure of elders and deacons. Mm. Well, you can't you can't have elders and deacons, and you can't have people under the authority and care of elders and deacons unless you have people who are there all the time. Yeah. And some with some regularity with some kind of agreement that says, yeah, I'm part of
1: this local body, right? Right, right. Well, and you know, baptism is it, it it's it's one of those complex symbolic and Yet it's not just a symbol, right? Kind of things right. that we do. right? That
0: drives me crazy
1: whenever I see a church that says this is just a symbol. Like, no, it's not. It's not just <laughs> it's a not. symbol. It's not just a symbol. It is, but it's not. It's not less than a symbol, right? But it's certainly more than that. Um, and you know, I think it's worth stating from the out out uh, from the onset that we, you know we don't believe whether you're credo or pado Baptist. We don't believe that baptism in and of itself, the act in and of itself, mm-hmm. saves you. Right. Uh, so what is it? What what are we? There it, it is a um in in one sense a means of grace, right? Mm-hmm. It's by which we are welcomed into the family of God. And yep. just the difference between Paedobaptist and Creative Baptist is it's pretty distinct in terms Mm -hmm. of how we, you know, how we um, live out or flesh out that acceptance into the family of God, which is ultimately what membership is about. I mean, we are members of the body of Christ. right? We're baptized into one faith, one baptism, one spirit. And um, that's how we flesh that out I think matters mm-hmm. big time um and there and there's a
0: huge difference between a a more reformed credo baptist of understanding of baptism than there is like the modern evangelical understanding or even a lot of i guess you could call them traditionalist sbc types mm-hmm. uh where where Honestly, we're a lot closer to a Reformed Presbyterian mm-hmm. than we would be traditionalist SBC in the understanding. It's just it ter- <laughs> it ends up being certain covenantal understandings and some of the nuance there.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, for in practice here at Res, we, you know, we are credo Baptist, but we when when someone comes to Res and they the in, this is the interesting part of that question is that should we admit someone into membership when it sounds like they were not only baptized as infants but they want to continue in that practice? Mm-hmm. That to me is where it gets sticky. Is that you know um, I've had people come to Res who are like, look, I was baptized as an infant. I I I understand how this church goes about baptism. Mm-hmm. And I'm not beholden to pedo-baptism, but I don't really feel the inclination to be rebaptized. Right, I admit those people into, well, we as our elders would admit that person into membership without requiring a second mm-hmm. baptism.
0: Wh- which definitely differentiates you from a lot of credo baptist. It does. Uh, especially like nine marks, Mark Dever, those guys were there. They're rigid about that.
1: I think even Piper was rigid right. about that. And right. and I, and you look, I that that's me and and that's a that's a I guess we would call it a personal conviction on my part is that I don't want baptism to be this ritual that simply initiates someone into membership in this particular local church because mm-hmm. the primary question for me is is this person a member of the body of Christ right have they been baptized in the spirit has has their heart been circumcised that's the primary question mm-hmm. and does that require a second baptism well i think you know again my reformed kind of thinking is that if they are elect, they were elect before the foundation of the world. Right. <clears throat> they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. They were predestined. Right. Mm-hmm. They were foreknown. Right. Um, and and do I should I require them to go through this act in order to be members in the local church and and simply affirm our understanding of that? Mm-hmm. That to me feels like it it dumbs it down to right. this more organizational mm-hmm. – again, the, the, the separating the organizational from the theological is tough, and I'm I'm open to people adamantly disagreeing with me on this, but I just have not felt like that that is something – unless the person's in faith for it, unless the person says, look, this is what I want, and I've done this. Mm-hmm. I was baptized as an infant, but I have come to an understanding that um, – this the practice of water baptism when i'm in faith and when i'm conscious and when i'm you know uh personally trusting in christ at mm-hmm. this point and want to go through that worshipfully and in faith then i absolutely will do it right um but i don't want to force someone to do it who's not in faith for it and at the same time i'm unwilling to say to them well, you're not a member of the body of Christ, and therefore you can't be a member right, right, of this right. local church because you won't be rebaptized. It's It's almost like a hybrid position uh,
0: on on baptism where it's – it's, and I think I've kind of landed there, too, where if somebody has been baptized as a believer, they don't need to be baptized again. No. Just period. Right. Um, and I would even go so far personally to say that they shouldn't because <laughs> one baptism, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Whereas I don't, maybe maybe my position is more so that maybe paedo-baptism is improper, but not necessarily invalid. Exactly, I, I think I would agree with that. Where it's you know that baptism would still be valid because it's not something that you go get done. It's something done to you, regardless. That's right. And and the weakest, I think, the weakest Kredo Baptist argument is they don't understand it when they're a kid, yeah. right? Well how much did you understand your credo baptism when you were 12 years old or 20 years old or 30 years old yeah. when you're still growing that whole time? Yeah. Um, and so, and so I, I think that's, I think that's a helpful uh, hybrid position where it's, you're not binding consciences right. and you're, you're still able to recognize the vast majority of baptisms in church history, which is one of our biggest issues in, as yeah. credo Baptist.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, like, I've had people come to me that were baptized at age 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And after that baptism, had this period of wondering, right? Right. uh, Not really living the Christian life. And then later in their maybe early adult years, Mm -hmm. even on into their 40s and 50s, have said, you know, my baptism doesn't feel like it was meaningful Mm -hmm. because I'm just now really leaning into a fully devoted life in Christ. I I what I tend to do, I don't immediately say no. Right. But I tend to want to have extended conversations with those people to help them understand their salvation better. Because I don't at this in, in the same way that I would not require someone who was baptized as an infant to be rebaptized to be a member of this church, if they're mm-hmm. not in faith for that, right? I also don't want someone who was baptized as a a preteen, early teen, had this period of wondering, and then, and you know, for a lack of a better way to say it, comes back right into the fold, right? Um, I don't want them to think of their salvation as being subject to. The heart that's prone to wonder, you know, and, yeah. and I want them to think more deeply about their salvation and that, you know, if if there was a true born-again experience that happened even at that early age but was followed by a period of wondering and then God in His sovereign grace continued to... Pursue and woo that person and draw them as a as a born again believer. I have mm-hmm. I have room in my theology for that.
0: Yeah, I, I like I like the line from this particular debate, even though I disagree with his application. So James White and Doug Wilson years ago did a baptism debate. I don't know if you've seen that. Before. I haven't seen that. Um, it, it was either that or the question was, is the Roman Catholic my brother? Is one of those? and I don't recall. Uh, regardless, the subject of, of baptism came up, and and you know James White is a 1689 guy he's he's a hard credo baptist if you're baptized as an infant that's not a baptism period Doug Wilson's a presbyterian so he's a pedo-baptist. and basically he says if you're baptized in the name of the trinity you're baptized mm-hmm. and um, regardless of how the how the line came up with roman catholics is you know when you're trying to reason with them he says grab them by their baptism mm-hmm. your baptism was into the triune name. So let's act like it. So mm-hmm. let's believe in the triune God yeah. and stuff like that. And I love that line yeah. of, of, you know, yeah, you were baptized at 12, 13. Like, come on! <laughs> yeah, this is what this means. Yep. And and you can look back on that baptism, even though you were an idiot in high school and
1: college, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're good. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, you know, it, it, I think we all have to acknowledge, don't we, that the the scriptures are just not explicit, entirely explicit on this issue. Mm-hmm. We have no second generation Christians being baptized uh, th- that are explicitly. Defined for us in the text. Like, we just don't have it. We have, you know, Cornelius and his household, so we Mm -hmm. might assume that the children in his home, if there were any, were baptized along with him in Acts chapter 10. Mm -hmm. But there's no explicit reference to, you know, somebody's, you know, a grandfather was saved in the early church, and then... You know, his grandson was mm-hmm. saved, and at what age did they baptize him? You know, right. Like, I, I think that we have to acknowledge that there's there's a bit of nuance here that we have to walk through with people. And I mm-hmm. think the real issue is how do we understand both the symbol and the means of grace that baptism is, and how are we going to apply that, and how does that inform mm-hmm. the organizational issues that arise from it? That That's where – we really have to be willing to um, not get so formulaic with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and again, I'm, you know, I would not want to stand toe to toe with James White or Doug Wilson on this issue. Right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I, I would not. Yeah, but I, I, as, as a pastor, I try to flesh it out as best I can for the people I'm called to shepherd. And I think mm-hmm. that if 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 I've got an individual who um, was baptized as an infant. Is clearly in faith and in and evidencing the fruit of the spirit, and doesn't feel the need to be rebaptized. How am I going to deny them uh, the the celebration of being? a member of the body of Christ and rooted in this local expression of the Mm -hmm. greater body of Christ.
0: And I think it gets down to kind of the primary versus secondary kind of things where, you know, primary is, you know, whether you think of it like an onion or parfait (laughs) to use Shrek terms. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I can't believe I just went there. However, (laughs) you know, the primary is, is the stuff that you can't do without Mm -hmm. the Trinity salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Virgin Birth, etc., and then the secondary is stuff like Old Earth versus Young Earth, and that could even possibly be a tertiary, yeah, possibly. Uh, but in secondary, you've got stuff on baptism, you've got stuff on uh, church structures, and any number of things. And I think with church membership, it comes down to, is that person going to be dogmatic within that local church about that secondary position, mm. uh, whether whether it's something that that local church has explicitly laid out, hey, this is what we're about, uh, and that could be stuff like Calvinism, Arminianism, where, you know, we tend more Calvinist here, you know, cancel us, mm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if somebody is going to be super dogmatic about Arminianism here, then... That might be a little bit more of an issue than if if somebody is an Armenian but they're not necessarily contradicting you, and what well, you say from the pulpit
1: you know if we get really down to the um the essence of the question here from what's his name Ryan, Ryan. um years ago, and we've had I've mentioned him several times on this podcast we've had him on the podcast, My friend Seth Kane, who is mm-hmm. an Anglican. Priest here in um, in town, um, pastored here with me for years, and uh, had had a had a relational connection to the Anglican Church. And at the point at which he was exploring moving back into the Anglican world, mm-hmm. I actually for a period of time considered going with him. Mm. So uh, I went with him to meet with you know people that he knew who were part of the Anglican Church, and even at one point had lunch with one of the, I don't know, the more higher-up bishops or whatever in the Anglican Diocese of South Carolina. Uh, And at that lunch, it was just the three of us, me, Seth, and this guy. And we're just asking questions, you know, trying to learn about, you know, the 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 Anglican Church, the history, the theology, you know what all this looks like. What yep. might even look like to bring this church into that? Um, and I started asking questions about baptism, and we kind of, I kind of got into a back and forth with this guy who was very very smart, very humble, great guy. Uh, went back and forth, and I, I just started peppering him. Well, what about? And what about this text? And what about? And at one point, he stopped me mid sentence, looked me in the eye. Put his hand on my arm and said, look, if you're not going to get on board with infant baptism, just don't be Anglican. (laughs) And it was like he was saying to me, look, I I get it. I get your struggle. I get your questions. But this is a huge part of what it means to be Anglican. This is what it is. This is what it is. And so if you're not on board with that, that's great. I love you in the Lord. We're brothers in Christ, but mm-hmm. don't be Anglican. Right. And so there does come a point at which I think you have to ask the question: if on these things that we we should consider to be secondary issues, matters of conviction, preference, tertiary, whatever, however you mm-hmm. categorize yep. it, um, am I am I going to be in full unity with this local expression of the body of Christ? In light of a difference on this particular issue. Right. And the the answer to that question might be yes, and it might be no. If you're going to hold to infant baptism, then I think you're going to have to have some lengthy conversations with the elders and leadership at a Credo Baptist church in order to come to some type of unity in order to move forward being a member of that local expression. That doesn't mean that you're not a member of the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. and that's really ultimately what baptism and membership should be focused on. So my point is simply that we might need to be willing to have those conversations and determine whether or not it would be better for me to be in a church that I am more in line with when it comes to this particular issue. Um, And that was just so helpful to me when I was kind of – Kind of in limbo, not really knowing what direction to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just said, Look, Anglicanism is not for you. Yeah. If you're not on board with this. And that and that's okay to say. That's okay, right? We don't have to be like, you know, pulling out our spears and swords at each other on that issue. But you also don't have to say, here, come lead this thing at exactly. the same time. Exactly. And he he was simply saying, you know, this is a worthy debate and mm-hmm. we can have this conversation but it's not worth you know all of this angst for you to become anglican if you're not on board with this particular thing it, it
0: honestly reminds me of so many of the liberalizing denominations where you know they want they want women pastors recognized mm-hmm. or they want uh basically universalism preached or what have you it's like well that's not what this thing is, so why don't you go do that thing somewhere else? Exactly. Like, like if, if you're going to go, uh, if you're going to basically create a new religion or a new denomination, then go do that somewhere
1: else because that's not what this is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if they're if they're continuing to hold on to a Pado baptist view, then that might be an indication that that local expression of the body of Christ It would be difficult for them to be in full unity
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely
1: Inquisition? Sure
0: And we come to the Inquisition Where you contribute to the show Via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge You ask questions and we answer them on the fly uh i'm going to get two questions out of the way because john isn't here <laughs> so one stan fields who happens to be my parental figure <laughs> to be the to be politically correct i would fit in well with the democratic party with that one and there you would uh the uh Anyway, um, <laughs> he, he asked what involvement did John Ross have with the new artwork and the icon for the Zillow app, which is now rainbow clad. Um, I'm assuming none. Bless their hearts. I didn't know that. Drew Smizer asks <laughs> when is at the movies? It feels like it's been a while. Good question. That is John a good question. Ross. So John Ross answer the man's question in the post when it gets shared into the podcast lounge. So as is tradition, we properly start with brian morris and these honestly these two inquisition questions we have left really fit in to this overarching question he asks how would you define theological liberalism should we be more careful with throwing that label around as many have uh been throwing it around in recent days so i would go in reverse yes be more careful (laughs) Uh, don't just throw out the term liberal and maybe we need a new term hmm. um, as as have you have you read uh, J. Gresham Machen's uh, Christianity and liberalism. No, it's it's really good um, and it's also on audible just by the way cool. he, he outright says we're not talking about a different expression of Christianity. We're talking about a different religion. Yes. And so, and so when, you, when you accuse somebody of being a theological liberal or progressive or what have you, if you're using the term correctly, you're talking about a different religion.
1: Hmm. Did you listen to um, the briefing yesterday, I think it was? Yes. By Al Mohler when he's yep. talking about uh, Biden and the Catholic Church yep. and the, the Council of Bishops apparently had a meeting – uh, for the Council of Bishops for the Catholic Church in the U.S. had a meeting to discuss uh, whether or not, and I'm this is I'm putting it in my own words, whether or not someone like Joe Biden, maybe Nancy Pelosi as well, I think who's a professing Catholic, um, should be denied communion because they are pro-abortion. They're not mm-hmm. just they're not just pro-choice choice. They're pro-abortion, right? Biden backed off the Hyde Act, you know, or the Hyde Amendment, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that there's a difference between saying someone should have the choice, and then that I think Al Mohler talks about that well. Um, But anyway, should they be denied communion because the essence of being Catholic would Mm -hmm. require that you adhere to the core doctrines of the church, right? Right. Right. Um, And so there is a point at which liberalism. Uh, You know, you you could define that term also just in and of itself. Liberalism would cease to be Christian. Yep. It It would cease to be theological in the sense that it is in some way rooted in or connected to the revelation of the one true God. And I think that's something that the Catholic Church is wrestling with. I I don't maybe I'm making an apples to orange comparison here. I don't think I am. Now, I think I think you're getting to the
0: consequences of theological liberalism. I guess so. It's, it it dang like, near almost always ends up in political liberalism. Yes, almost yes. always.
1: Yeah, and this is a question that I probably should think more about before I answer because you you don't you don't give me these questions in advance. That's and true. I, I I don't I don't know that I've thought through entirely how we would define the term. Uh, did he, did he ask about theological liberalism or yeah. Christian liberalism? So
0: actually I just pulled up the Wikipedia page for it and yeah. it's a really good definition. It says liberal Christianity also known as liberal theology is a movement that interprets and reforms Christian so reforms there you go. Christian teaching. Yeah. Uh by taking into consideration modern knowledge, science and ethics. So you're reforming and interpreting Christian Christianity
1: according to today's ethics. Yeah. Well, At there's the, an issue. Well, the, there and, and there lies something worth considering: is that you're putting enlightenment and science and the knowledge of man on par with the, the you know the knowledge of God revealed right. in Scripture, right. and that that doesn't work. And that might be the point at which you go, yeah, that's that's liberal theology. And um, you know, if if a again, I, I, I'm trying to be careful because I haven't thought through this enough. But if a, if a if a person in our local church votes Democrat, mm-hmm. okay, let's just call it what it is. The, the the majority of the evangelical world would probably identify as conservative Republican mm-hmm. from a political standpoint. Yep. If they vote Democrat, does that mean that they are theologically liberal? Not necessarily, right? Not necessarily. Now,
0: I have I have voted for a democrat or two effectively mm-hmm. as a protest. Yes. Right, like yeah. there there's a difference between that kind of thing uh, like I've voted against Lindsey Graham before. Right. I am not a fan of Lindsey Graham. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um and not many other people really are either. Uh but uh but at the same time there's a difference between that and buying into the platform. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Uh so yeah, I think we should be careful with that term. Um but, you know, sola scriptura, tota scriptura, that's the essence of this yeah. podcast. This is what we're about. Um, and when you start putting anything on on par with that, you cease to be um, sola scriptura. Right. And, and that's going to become...
0: Yeah. I mean, really, theological liberalism boils Christianity down to moralistic, therapeutic deism. Yes. Like, you you look at even the likes of Martin Luther King. uh, He was a liberal. He denied the resurrection. Mm -hmm. He denied the deity of Christ. Yeah. Well, that puts you outside the fold, right? Yes, And And so, when you start playing with these core concepts, which liberalism does, you end up with something completely different, and then you see the fruit of it down the road.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yep. Yep. So maybe we could just leave it at at least for today. It there's a we don't need to start throwing around the term theologically liberal because someone might have a social liberal leaning in one particular issue. Right.
0: That doesn't outright make them a liberal just because they're more liberal than us. Right. That could mean you have a conversation and be like,
1: "Where are you getting this?" Yeah but you don't throw the accusation out immediately exactly but theologically liberal is that that's you're borderline calling somebody anathema at that point i mean you're right. you're 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 labeling them as something not christian at right. that point if we're going to if we're going to keep the term intact right otherwise it becomes it's like the word awesome everybody talks you know everything's awesome no it's not <laughs> right. some things are but not everything is
0: contrary to the song not everything is awesome. Exactly. Uh yeah, I mean maybe we need a new term maybe maybe use something like progressivism uh because if if we're talking about liberal like even classical liberalism is conservatism now.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, uh, we need we need some new terms. It's just like my reservation with the term cessationism and continuationism. Like I don't think those are good terms mm-hmm. like biblically speaking.
1: Yeah, well, and 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 then the briefing yesterday, Al Muller was talking about the fact that you can't have totally a you know a, a public policy before certain things in terms of public policy, and totally separate that from your personal conviction. Yeah, you absolutely can't. You can't do that. they sounded so there, like a theonomist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's got to be a point at which you're 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 saying that. You, could, could I look at a particular election or a particular bill or piece of legislation or social issue and maybe have an opinion about that that some might consider leans more liberal than conservative? That's possible without me necessarily being a theological liberal. Right. But absolutely, at some point, those lines cross. Right.
0: Whew, good stuff. Also, also, side note, I'm dreading July – Because that's when Moeller takes a break from the briefing. And I won't know what to do with myself in the mornings. (laughs) Your
1: mornings will be totally (laughs) disrupted, right? (laughs) They'll be shot.
0: Yeah. Uh, I hadn't listened to today's, but Uh, it's, well, it's, it's always good. Yeah. Um, Kyle Jackson with our final inquisition question. He says, what do you do if you enjoy your church and their good biblical teaching, but the denomination itself had a weird start? Parts of it are kind of off the wall.
1: I, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot to understand yeah. there. But without with that minimal understanding from the from the question, I would say I I, I would not let a denomination's reproach necessarily Ooh, good good vocabulary cause me to leave a local body that. Is good and healthy for me. Right. I, I just, I, denominations have their issues. I mean, we just had Truax on here talking about the SBC convention mm-hmm. and whatnot. And do, do all of those things that go on when 20,000 people gather in Tennessee to vote and wrestle with the broader issues, does that necessarily make every local SBC church? a direct representation of that. It doesn't, mm-hmm. does it? I mean, you know, Corey Truax is an elder at a church in Easley, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's a little like I keep using Eugene Peterson's term, a little outpost of heaven right there. Yep. That yep. Corey's been called to help Shepherd alongside other men. And and you know, I thought Corey's attitude his perspective on all the things that the SBC is wrestling with was as a whole was so good and healthy. Yeah. I just appreciated so much his not only his understanding of the issues but his attitude about them and his attitude about his brothers and sisters in Christ in the SBC. That was just so good and right. And I never got an even a hint that regardless of what happened in Tennessee that that was going to you know ha- have a significant impact necessarily on the way that he sees the local body of believers that he's called to serve. Yep. So I I just would be hesitant on letting a denominations <clears throat> you know issues affect the way mm-hmm. to affect the way that I feel about my local body too much.
0: Yeah, and I think of, you know, two denominations on different ends of the spectrum like the PCUSA which has been liberal for a long time but you still have faithful local congregations Absolutely. in the PCUSA. Absolutely. And then on the more theologically conservative uh Bible believing side something like the Assemblies of God where they've got some goofy stuff. Yes. Uh and some some stuff where we like we'd probably put the kibosh on some of their uh, stuff here at Res, uh, but we're not going to anathematize that denomination just no. uh, just outright. Mm-hmm. Maybe some churches mm-hmm. and some teachers in that denomination, and obviously same with the PCUSA, even though it's probably most of them. Yeah, uh, but that doesn't mean that every assembly of God is outright heretical. No, they're they're wrong on some stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: just like the. Presbyterians, Methodists, we're probably wrong somewhere, and, and we just haven't realized it yet. <laughs> I, I mean, let's
1: just say this. I mean, the biblical ideal would be that we are all, every local church that's a part of the church, capital C, mm-hmm. would be connected right. and submitted to one another and accountable and unified. And mm-hmm. But I, I've come to the conclusion that that's not going to happen on this side of the return of Christ. I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're going to have issues. We're going to have things that divide us at times. We're going to have things that we have to wrestle with. Um, but I think there's encouragement and hope for us in that I regularly meet people who are willing to have good and healthy conversations about the things, like baptism, for example, right. or how we're going to deal with – uh, racism in inside the church, uh, how we're going to deal with things like patriotism. You know, mm-hmm. let's have good conversations about that rooted in Scripture, and let's move forward, um, and let's be faithful stewards. You know, Paul says to the Ephesian elders, shepherd the flock of God that's been entrusted to you. Yeah. Do and, that
0: well. And it's, it's so worth considering, like, having those discussions, <laughs> even in public, mm-hmm. um, where – so much unity talk right now is just shut up about the differences. Mm. Just talk about Jesus. All right, well, how does all that work? Yeah. <laughs> right. How exactly. does how does God draw people to himself? <laughs> or, you know, if, if we're talking about, like, the strict provisionists, does he even draw people? Right. <laughs> and how far does he draw people? All that has to be sorted out as opposed to this, like – Let's call it limp-wristed <laughs> uh, notion of of unity, where it's just like, no, that's not anything. That's that's all of us sweeping stuff under the rug and just not talking about it, which makes it more tense. Yes, and it's it, I I keep I'm on a little bit of a soapbox. I've I've told you I'm reading Francis Chan's book on unity, and it's awful. Mm. And and there's a part where he says, you know, the church was one until 10:54 with the East-West split, but that's bullcrap. Mm. Like you can even go to wikipedia on christian schisms and there's two dozen before that yeah 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 (laughs) and and with the east west split those those were that split was over what was perceived to be primary issues on both sides. And Mm -hmm. so if it's over a primary issue, you don't unite over that. Right. And so you look at the other church splits of stuff like Marcionism and Arianism and all these other heresies, like, no, we're not going to unite with that. Yeah. And so there's, and God, anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, but just like the primary issue, uh, primary um, topic from today, it gets down to, well, what degree of unity can we have? Mm hmm. Primary, yes, we're going to be at least be siblings. Maybe we don't go to church in the same building, yeah. and that's okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. What was I reading? Um, I think it's this book your dad gave me about. Um, <clears throat> is it that analog church? Analog book? church, book, yeah. Which I I really like. I think it's a great book. I'd recommend it. Um, but it talks about how you know the in in first century Palestine Jewish culture in particular that the the the, the the tightest union was sibling mhm not so much um husband wife as sibling mm-hmm. and and thus brother and sister you know yeah. paul refers to his audience many times as brothers and we you know i grew up we, we came to church and called people brother and sister so-and-so mm-hmm. is there is a, there is a sibling unity there yep. uh, that is meant to be tight and it is meant to be unified. But I think that uh, the marriage covenant is between us and Christ, right? Like yep. there's a, there there are times when I think siblings don't agree on everything mm-hmm. and, um, and it doesn't mean that we can't still be siblings. Uh, but there is a, there, there is a place for, you know just wrestling through how unified do you want to be right and how can how unified can
0: we be uh, on and some ev- and every now and then the older sibling is going to hold down the younger sibling and fart on him yeah
1: exactly exactly
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> but that i mean that's that's worth considering too like i you bring up you know brothers and uh <coughs> being regarded as sons uh you know it's obviously there are two genders. <laughs> yes. But but the New Testament usage of that we're regarded as sons is intentional because the sons got the inheritance. The daughters yes. didn't. Yes. And so even the daughters are regarded as sons, sons. in that regard. Yep. And so even even you know, even though we disagree with women preaching, women pastors, all that, the women folk can get in on this too. Absolutely. How about it? Absolutely. It's amazing. Absolutely. Oh man. Well that was fun. Fun, fun. Come back next week. We'll do it again. Thanks for listening.